Hey there, this is Pastor John Ware, lead pastor of Lifehouse Newport News, a church that exists to help all people experience life change through Christ. Thank you for joining us today on our podcast. We hope it inspires you and gives you perspective to see how God is moving in your life. Now let's get to today's episode. months back, we planned this Sunday to be Vision Sunday. And it's really interesting that um, on Vision Sunday, I get the opportunity to tell you uh, about the vision of our church in a very unique setting, where we cannot even gather as the church on Sunday, but at the same time, we're gathering online. But look, I think this is a pivotal time for our church and for the church, for the capital C church. Why? Because because the thing is this here, that although we cannot gather on Sundays, the church is not just built on a Sunday gathering. The church, big C, little C, our church here, uh, honestly, probably one of the smallest things that we do is a Sunday where uh, where where, where, here's the thing, Monday through Saturday, we have small groups going on, people groups going on, counseling appointments going on, and I mean, we, we've got so much going on, and Sundays really are just a small part of what we do here at LifeHouse, but at the same time, we understand it's a, it's a pretty big part to the public, but look, we know this, the ultimate vision of the church that Jesus laid out was not just a gathering on Sundays, it was to be a people that represent him, right? And look, right, that, and that is why today I'm just excited to share with you about the vision of our church, because honestly, LifeHouse is not built on a Sunday gathering. It's built on people. It, it is built on some of the most amazing people that I personally ever met, and, and, and I'm excited today to share that, that with you. But at the same time, a part of Vision Sunday is telling you about what God, it, about what God did in 2000. And 19, but, but before we actually do that, uh, one scripture for you really quick. Proverbs 29, 18 says this here. It says, where there is no vision, the people perish, right? We need vision. And vision is simply this, looking in, into the future and saying, who is God calling us to be? Who is God, you know, in, in, and here's the vision is not just saying we want to have 10,000 people by this time, we want to build this building. No, vision is ultimately about building people. The vision is ultimately Jesus, right? It's saying, how can we individually and corporately become more like him? I'm getting ahead of myself. But look, here's the thing, right? Looking back on, on 2019, right? And, and, and the thing is this here. The reason we share n- n- numbers with you and stats with you is because this here. Every name has got a story. Every, uh, excuse me, every number has got a name. Every name has got a story, and every story matters to God. Therefore, people matter to us. And, you know, and in a few moments, I'm going to share with you um, some of the uh, stats behind our 2019 here at LifeHouse. But at the same time, I pray that you would not just see stats, you would see people. Because each one of these stats... Uh, reflect and resemble people in our church that have experienced life change through Christ. So I think we're going to show this up to you really uh, 
really, really quick, you can actually see 2020 at, or excuse me, 2019 at Lifehouse. I'm going to go like this here. Uh, the 2018 average attendance was 359 people. The 2019 average attendance was 453 people. So we grew average on Sundays by about one by about 100 people. Give God praise. You can actually see here we had 471 first-time guests. We, we, we love first-time guests at our church. Easter Sunday attendance was 911 people. Christmas at Lifehouse attendance was 807 people. Uh, and then you can see down there at the bottom right, uh, we had 296 individuals involved in life groups. We had, two, we, we had 288 active dream teamers, uh, 46 baptisms, 155 people let us know the, the, they received life change through Christ. Yeah. Uh, we served a total that we counted of 2,993 community hours within our community. And then we, uh, we had down, downloaded 18,000 sermons. Um, we had an average kids attendance of 82 kids. And then we had an average Lifehouse youth attendance of like 20, 20 mic, whatever that mic is blocking the number. I think it's like 2022. 20, but then, too, you can also see that, that bottom left corner there, our total giving was 498907 That was actually about a $150,000 increase, so people became more generous. We're, we're thankful for that. And then, too, Lacey is posting for you our 2019 yearly report. You can check that out. Next slide, please. You can also see here for our city community partners, these are just a few of them. We had the Food Bank, We Are the Echo, One City Marathon, Egg Hunt, Edmark, Bikes for, for Cuba. You can actually see there, man, we had so many community partners last month. And, and also this does not include all of the community partners that we had for four our city weeks. So y'all look, 2019 was an incredible year, but honestly, we believe 2020 is going to be better. Even though it's been one of the craziest starts to this year, we believe honestly the best is yet to come. And today, I want to share with you briefly about what we feel God calling us to in, tw- in 2020. Whenever Kristen and I started LifeHouse uh, in September, well, actually, Kristen, myself, and about 60 launch team members, the whole goal and vision was this, to help all people experience life change through Christ. Literally, whenever we thought about, like, what, what do we ultimately want to see happen? It, it really wasn't to have 14 campuses, to have 10,000 people to have all of this stuff. It was just like, we want to see individuals experience the life-changing power that Jesus Christ gives and, and offers to us. The vision was always people. It was always people. And really, honestly, nothing's changed. The vision isn't just to have a crowd because crowds are fickle. Jesus even you know, Jesus had crowds, but ultimately Jesus wasn't focused on crowds. Jesus was ultimately focused on raising disciples who followed him, embodied him, and literally became like him, right? Here's, here's the thing, 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 thing there, right? The vision of our church has always been to ex- is for people to experience life change through Christ, right? One thing that we say here, uh, keep the mic close to your mouth. Okay, here we go. I'm keeping it close, right? One of the things here, <laughs> the confidence monitor back here is helping, helping to keep me conf- confident. Uh, the thing, though, is, uh, look, we, we have always seen the church not as a place you just attend, right? 
So, so many people right now are shook. Why? Because they have seen church as just being a place you go to. And now that we can't go to a church, you got people saying like, yo, ch- church, yo, I can't go. What's up? But, but church was never meant to just be a place you go to for two hours on Sunday. That was actually the starting point. That was, that was just a small part of it, right? Here's the, here's the thing. What we say here is that the church isn't a place you, you attend. It is a vision and mission that you join. We believe this. Ephesians 2 tells us this year that God is building a home. He's using us all, irrespective of how we got here and what he is building. And what we've seen over two and a half years, it's felt like 20, but it's, it's been two and a half years of, of life houses. We have seen people experience life change through Christ. We have seen the vision happen. But honestly, whenever you hear life change through Christ, right, it kind of sounds generic. Because honestly, people are kind of at different steps with that. Like, what does that actually mean? What does, what does life change through Christ actually, you know, what does that mean? And really, we've clarified it, and we said this. We want people, when, when we say we want people to, to really experience life change through Christ, we mean four distinct things. And what these are, are simply steps, right? Because honestly, whenever you start to experience life change through Christ. It doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't just kind of just like happen. You ultimately become like Jesus. You take steps. And what we ultimately want to see with everyone in our church as they experience in, uh, as they experience, experience life change through Christ is they take four different steps. And the first step is this here. We want everybody to follow Jesus. And this sounds easy. This sounds simple. It's just like, yeah, follow, follow Jesus. But at the same time, when you think about what it actually includes and what it holistically means to follow Jesus, what you actually find is, is, is that most people are fans of Jesus instead of followers. You know, think about it. Whenever you follow Jesus, you are saying, I am laying down my vision for what life is. My short-term habits, my long-term goals, I'm laying those down and, and saying, I want what the vision for a flourishing life is, the vision for that, instead of being what our culture tells you, instead of what you think is best, it is saying, I'm going to lay those down and start apprenticing and starting to follow Jesus so I can, what, be like him. And this is the step, right, that we challenge people to take is to follow Jesus. What we say here at the church, it's not a who, it is, no, it, it's not a do, it is a what, who, right? Ultimately, we, we say the goal and vision is not a place, it's not a salary, it's not a relationship, it's not a standard of living. Ultimately, the goal for us is to, is to follow and be like Jesus, all right, Jesus said this about himself, right? You see seven I am statements in the gospel of John that John says about, about himself. Jesus says this, I am the way. I am the living water. I am the bread of life. I am the good shepherd. I am the door. I am the light of the world. I am the resurrection and the life. And within these seven statements that Jesus said about himself, we see, here's the thing, Jesus purpose meets our greatest need. Jesus' purpose meets our deepest need. All of us have a deep down need in our soul for what 
Jesus offers. Whenever Jesus said he is these things, let me tell you what Jesus was actually saying. He says, if you feel lost, I am the way. If your soul is thirsty, I am the living water. If your soul is hungry, I am the bread of life. If your soul needs care, I am the good shepherd. If you need access to God, I am the door. If your soul is full of darkness, I am the light. And if your soul is full of death, I am the resurrection and the life. We see that your greatest need, Jesus meets that with his greatest purpose of being on this, 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 this planet, which is being everything you need. And really what we say at this church is simply this, just say yes to him. Every Sunday, we give you the opportunity, we give our church the opportunity to, to just say yes to following, just to start the journey. Because every journey has got to be started just by, by taking a simple step of faith and saying, Jesus, I recognize that I am a sinner. I recognize that what my vision of life is, is not right. It has been completely marred by sin. And I'm taking what my vision for life is and laying it down and saying, Jesus, I receive by grace through faith what you did on the cross in my place and for my sin. And I'm putting my faith and trust in you for what life currently is and for what life is going to be. We challenge people to say yes. And possibly today you could be in that same spot where here's the thing, your next step is to simply say yes to following Jesus. Possibly you've, you've had this, this concept of him. You, you have been a fan of him. You have been intrigued by him. Possibly you've even been in church or grown up in church, but you've never actually said, I am going to lay my life down and follow Jesus. That's what we encourage people to do. And that is the first step is simply saying, yes, Jesus, I want to follow you. And that is what we as a church, that is one of the, that, that is the first step of seeing life change through Christ is saying yes and saying, Jesus, I submit to you. The second part though, is this here. We think people, yes, they need to say yes and follow Jesus. But secondly, we believe that life change through Christ is doing life together. We, we want to help people follow Jesus and do life together. And there is no more important time for that than right now. Where there is a lot of people, honestly, that have no support system. That have no system in place of saying, who am I going to do life with now? Because honestly, think about it. Our culture praises individuality and pseudo relationships where it's basically me myself and I and we are most of the time in in relationships based on what somebody does for us it's basically saying how does this person add value to me and if this person adds value then we're good if they don't uh, right but at the same same time our followers of Jesus Christ the church of Jesus Christ is called to do life together not just kind of just, just like come in Sundays, hey, how's it going? I'm blessed, brother. Good to see you. And, and leave. We are called to be in relationship and literally doing, doing life together. That was our vision for, for this thing, right? Because honestly, think of, about this. I, we, Kristen and I, always envisioned a church where people that don't go to church look in, look in, at our church and just say stuff like, holy smokes, they take care of their own. Like, there is like, you know, sort of kind of love, and then there's like insane love. There, there's like, a, like they got a different level here. Because honestly, that is what, as Christians, we are called to do that. 
that, that is why we call ourselves brothers and sisters. Like, we just don't want to, hey, brother, hey, sister. It's not just some cultural term. That is literally what we believe, that because of the blood of Jesus Christ, that that is the ultimate blood that binds us and draws us together. It's not the blood of we're being black, white, rich, poor, this, that, and the other thing. The thing that binds us together ultimately is the blood of Jesus Christ. And we literally become brothers and sisters in Christ and in the faith, and we are called to do life together. And, but, and then, too, right, here's the thing. Be an example. Like, we want to see people taking taking. Care of, man, just, just a couple examples for you. We had one guy um, be $1,200 short rent. He was, he was in a point, he had kind of like backed himself up, and, he, and, and, and then he finally came up to, you know, um, well, what he was, he was a part of the guys group that gets together on Tuesday nights. And he finally went to them and just said, hey guys, I'm in this spot, I'm $1,200 behind rent, you know, I've had a few things going on. I had to take care of this, 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 and, and right now they're going to kick me out if I don't get $1,200. And it's really there at that moment a couple things happened. First off, the, the person finally said, I need help. And there's so many people in church right now that need help that won't say a thing. They try to have pride. They try to just hold themselves up, and they just say, oh, I got this. And there are so many people in church that are struggling because they don't have they don't have. I don't know what it, what it is, God's love, or I mean, I'm saying they're just scared to say that they need help. And the crazy thing is, is that there are, is that there actually are people in, the, there were people in his group willing to help, of saying, dude, we got your back. We love you. You're not in this thing by yourself. We're in this thing t- together. Here's the, here's, the, here's the thing, right? This person went and said, hey, I, I need help. The person sent out a, uh, you know, you know, the person that he said that he, that, that he needed help to sent out a text message. And literally, in like three minutes, people responded back saying, we got you covered, brother. We, we got you covered. $1,200 in three minutes raised where people said, dude, you are not in this thing by yourself. We got you. We are going to help you out. That is what we mean by do life together. It's not pseudo. It's not fake. It's not just kind of just, just, just like being a crutch for people either. It's saying we want to do life together. The early church, the earliest account of, of, of the first church, what it actually said about them here. Acts, Acts 2 verse 42 through 47 said this here. They, being the Christians, devoted themselves to, to the apostles' teaching uh, and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. So everyone was filled with awe at the many wondrous signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold their property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the, the people. This wasn't communism. This was doing life together. This was them saying, we are family now. We are not distant, crazy cousins. We are now family now. And what, what if, if, you know what, if I've got toilet paper, you've got toilet paper. If I've got hand sanitizer, you've got hand san- sanitizer. We do life together. And here's the thing, guys, in this time, our proclivity is, is, is just to hide and hoard. 
is just to hide and hoard, right? I got to make sure we self-preservation here. Got to make sure we're good. Got to make sure we got all the we need. While you're doing that, reach out to 7, 10, 12 other people. Are you good? Do you have what you need? Because honestly, our calling as Christians is not self-preservation. It's self-sacrificing love, especially in times of greatest need. And especially to those who, who are of uh, who, who, who are our brothers and sisters in Christ. So, y'all, look, we have a vision here. When we say life changed through Christ, it, it starts with following Jesus, yes. But at the same time, it, 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 it also is this here. We want to have a church, a group of people that do life together. Here's the thing, right? This, this point here, to do this, though, it takes you knowing. You need to be needed and known. You have a desire deep down, deep down inside of, of, of you to be needed and known. And that is why doing life to, together does these two things. Why? Because here's the thing. Whenever you hear someone else's need, it gives you the opportunity to be God's hands and God's feet and actually God's answered prayer. And here's the thing. You've got something to offer. I don't care who you are. You have something that you bring to the table. It was one of the most beautiful things on, uh, on Thursday this, this past week. We, we, were, um, we were at a, a small group, and somebody in this small group is walking through uh, a really, really hard time with a pregnancy, something where, where um, frankly, it's life or, or death for this couple. Um, and, you know, while they were sharing what was going on, there was a seasoned couple, more older, I'm not going to say older, but just a, a more seasoned couple there. The while, the, the while they were talking, the guy took out his phone and showed a picture of his daughter that was, the, the, that was literally on death's door. And he said, look, I'm not trying to, to give you fake faith here, but I'm just telling you what God has done for me. I want to tell you what God did, did in the past, and he told his story. And told his story about what God did in his daughter's life to ultimately bring her from death to life. And it was, and, and, and just to see this couple's face who was dealing with this pregnancy light up. And just to see the faith inspire them. Just, and I mean honestly, it just revealed to me again the power and purpose of doing life together in smaller groups. Here's the thing, knowing you are needed and known. You need to be needed. And like, honestly, how can people help you if they don't know you? But honestly, some of us, we've got so much shame and guilt that we don't want to be known. But, 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 but at the same time, you being known is what will lead to you finding healing, to you finding hope, to you finding purpose, to you getting out of your shame, out of your guilt, out of your patterns. It takes people knowing your story. It takes people knowing what you're dealing with. So look, our vision's clear. We, we, we want to help people follow Jesus and secondly, do life together. Not fake, not pseudo, not, yeah, we'll pray for you, brother. Actually, hey, no, I'm not only going to pray for you, I'm going to be the answer to the prayer that I'm going to pray for you. You need money? Okay, do you know what? I got $100. I'm going to help out something. I got a text message. I'm sending that, that out. Like, we're going to say we are in this thing together. And also, too, the step here is this, get in a group. 
get in a group. And especially now during this time where there's not going to be probably, y'all, this is the new normal. This is the new normal where, I mean, who knows how long it's going to be until we can have church corporately. It's going to be probably at least a couple months. With everything going on, we want to be sensitive. We want to be wise. We're going to obey governmental authorities and what they suggest and things like that. So this is the new normal. So look, if you are not in a group and you are a part, if you are not in a group and you are a part of our church, I want to encourage you, now is the time. Now is the time to get in a group, a life group, a D group. Like, like now is the time. Why? Because you need to be, there are people that need you. I'm telling you, there are people that need your testimony, need your resources, need your story. They need you, but also, too, in your deep down in your soul, you need to be known. You need to be known. So here's the step, right? The, the step after follow Jesus was, was to say, yes, the step here is to get in a group. Lacey, she'll post links on there for you so you can take that, that next step in experiencing life change through Christ. Third, thirdly. Follow Jesus, do life together, and thirdly, get in the game. One of the things that plagues churches is people being spectators and not players. Spectators and not players. There, I mean, honestly, man, there is just, there can easily be in the church this mindset, like, John, that's why we pay you a salary, buddy. We pay you a salary so you can be the, the professional here and go and do the ministry. And I, I, I don't think any mindset believes that if they have read the Bible. Because honestly, what's, what you see as the pastor and leader of this church, and honestly, any leader in our church, let me tell you, we have three distinct goals lined out in, in Ephesians 4. As leaders in the church, we are called to do three things. Equip people to do the work that God has called them to do. So first off, we equip. Secondly, mature people basically saying, hey, look, we've got to get, get to this point, point here where, where you're taught. And then you grow up. You grow up in your faith. So then you can teach others. right? So equip, mature. And thirdly, unify. Call us together around a common purpose, a common vision, so we can all be on the same page, moving as one people forward. Those are, those are my three jobs, is to equip, mature, and unify us. As a matter of fact, all of the leaders in our church is to do those three things, right? And really, though, the biggest thing of that is getting people to say, I'm just not going to be someone that is going to stand on the sidelines and watch somebody do it. I'm going to get on the team, and I'm going to say, what can I do to play my part? Our theme song, you know what? You know what, next Sunday, we might even do the song, put me in, coach. <laughs> I'm ready to play. I'm just kidding. Man, this just got broadcast to a whole lot of people. But uh, <laughs> Honestly, though, we wanted to have a church full of people that say, we aren't going to sit on the sidelines and watch our community go to hell. We're not going to sit on the sidelines and expect just paid professional people to do the work. We envisioned a people that say, yes, there might be a season where we're going to observe. There might be a season where we're going to learn. There might be a season where we're going to sit. But ultimately, we envision a people that are equipped to go out and get in the game and not just stand there, go and do and be the work that God has called them to, to be, right? One of these steps we say for this is to join a dream team. Well, here's the thing. Right now, <laughs> 
I don't know, we're going to have to think of some other dream teams because there's the production team that's doing their job, but, in, but then you got the, uh, the hospitality team. You've got, what's, what's the other team? Kids, kids teams, right? Here's the thing, right, though. If we can't meet physically, then we've got to possibly think, oh, you know what? What are some other dream teams we can do? Outreach op- opportunities, right? There's different things. The point is, though, is basically this. What part can you play? And don't just think about it, not just watch it, but actually step out and do it. I love what First Peter 4.10 says. This. It says this. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Basically saying, saying this, whatever God has gifted you with, some of y'all, y'all are great with kids, some of y'all are great talkers, some of y'all are great, just don't talk to me, but I want to do stuff behind the scenes. Like you have got a skill set that God has given you, and he has given you, actually, he has entrusted that to you for the purpose of you through that gift, showing the world who God is and what God is like through you using the gift and personality that he has given you. But it's going to take you to cut the spectator mentality and just say, I put a few bucks in the bucket so, John, you can do it, so Carrie can do it, so it's just so y'all, y'all go do it. Jesus never told his disciples. Do you know what he, Jesus said, hey, guys, this is what you're going to do. Go do it. Did they fail a lot? Did Jesus have to rebuke? Yep. Did Jesus say, Peter, what are you smoking? I don't know if he said that, but he said, get behind me, Satan. But it was just like, you can, you can see there was a training process, but at the same time, he said, don't just observe, get in the game. I'm just not going to tell, tell you, do, it, do these things, and then think about it a really long time, but never actually do it. He said, hey, do these things, and I'm going to put you in, in position to actually go out and practice those things. My, Kristen and I's heart is to have a church full of people that say, we are going to get in the game. Are we going to fail? Yep. Are there going to be times where we might have to be like, hey, you know, yes. But at the same time, people that are action-oriented, that say we want to get in the game and be the hands and feet of Jesus. First off, we want the vision of our church is, is to help people experience life change through Christ through following Jesus and saying yes, doing life together and getting in a group and being, and, and being what? Needed and known. Thirdly, get in the get. Get in the game through joining a dream team. And fourthly, this, leave a legacy. Our vision was to always have a group of people that had a legacy mindset. That, that did not just say, what is this church going to do for me right now? But instead of, or, or but the thing, instead saying, what kind of church are we going to leave behind to the next generation? And what part am I going to play to use the resources that God has given me to leave a legacy of faith, of hope, of courage, of joy in my family, in my city, in my community, at my workplace? People that honestly, consistently say, I am just not a consumer on this planet. I have been put here as a steward someone that has been entrusted with time and talent and treasure that God has, has ent- like you don't own anything you've got. As a Christ follower, you, are, you don't own anything. You broke. All you've got is what God has entrusted you with. He calls you a steward. And honestly, what he has 
and trusted you with isn't just for your benefit. The first person that God blessed in Scripture, Abraham, he said, I'm going to bless you so you can be a blessing. It shows God's, God's character and, and who God is when he said, I'm going to bless you, but then Adam's, your blessing isn't just for you. The blessing is for you so it can be given through you. And we always wanted to have a church that said we want to have a vision of people that say what I've been entrusted with is not just about me. My time, my talent, and treasure is not just for me. It's that God has entrusted it to me so God can use it in me and through me. One of these ways are really quick that, that I want to highlight really quick is this one here, investing financially. And typically whenever you talk about money, people get like all crazy weird and people start getting all uptight and all Pastor John talking about money now, right? Here, here's the thing. I never wanted a church. Like, I hate talking about money. And I think people in church hate it too. Because, you know, people, oh, Pastor John's one big salary. Pastor John just wants a Stephen Furtick house. Sorry, Stephen Furtick. But it's just like, you know, but, you know and, and, it's, and it's just like that. I never wanted a church where people felt like, oh, my God, we've got to give this Sunday or the church is going under. I never wanted to preach or lead with the whole idea of, like, man, we better get money this Sunday or we're going to tank. Just never wanted that because, honestly, like, we wanted a church where people were excited to invest. Where people were like, I can't, like, I get the opportunity to invest what God has given me, my hard-earned money, into the kingdom. And that is why with our church, y'all, we have been financially wise. We, we have been good financial stewards. Thank God we have zero debt. Zero. We don't owe nobody anything. And we're two and a half years old. We have been wise stewards. There's money in in the bank, like, like here's, here's the things. like, what I'm saying to you is we are striving to have incredible impact with, with, with financial long-term wisdom to put us in a position so we can leave a legacy in this city and even for my kids. Because this church isn't even about, yes, it is about us right here now, but I'm thinking of, honestly, my three boys, Jackson, Judah, and Dallas. What kind of church are they going to have? What are they going to be, like, what are we going to leave to them? And that is why, y'all, we've got to honestly reframe giving from what am I giving to now to what am I giving to in the future? I want us to picture this. To even start LifeHouse, it took $200,000. Just throwing that out there to you. And the crazy thing about that number is that most, like, I would probably say 90% of those dollars was given by people you don't even know. Lifehouse Hagerstown. They probably invested $120,000 into us. And do you know what? Their church gave to people they didn't even know or saw. They gave so I could be able to love on y'all and and, and serve you guys so, so we could be the hands and feet of Jesus. Like people gave for people in this church that they did not even know or they did not even have a clue of who they were. But they gave in faith knowing what I give is going to leave a legacy. And y'all, I'm telling you, this church is and will leave a legacy in this city far beyond us. And so y'all, we, we can't just say what are we giving to and getting back now. 
we got to say, who are we giving and what are we investing into and what are we giving to in the future to leave a legacy? And I mean, honestly, I just think of, you know, our denomination gave us $25,000. It it was an endowment fund that some guy left and said, I want this money invested into church planning. I I don't even know who the guy is. But think about it. His investment is outliving him. His investment, every person, the 155 people that said yes to following Christ last year, he played a part in that. Every dollar every person gave last, last year, of the 400, whatever we had come, come in, every dollar gave, every dollar people, people give, every person that says yes, you play a part in that. Every person that finds community, every person that gets in, in, in the game, you play a part in that. And that's why we say this, leave a legacy. That action step is simply this, invest financially in the vision of LifeHouse. Here's, here's the thing, though, like I said, we never wanted to have a church where people were like, oh, God, money. No, we, we, and honestly, y'all, I believe God will fuel his church. And we don't have to give, but we get to give. Honestly, like we, God will fuel his church however he wants to, but at the same time, he invites us and to say, hey, look, you can play a part in what I'm doing in this city. One of the things that I've done my whole life, I haven't done a lot of right things in, in my life. I've done a lot of stupid things. A lot of things that I really, really deeply regret. <laughs> things that I wish I would have done earlier in my life that I would have been fiscally more financial. But honestly, since I was 15 years old, one of the things that, <laughs> that my mom ingrained in us 10% of what I had come, I mean, honestly, since I was, since, since I was 15 years old, we've said, God, we're going to invest. And it's just something that, that we've done. That, that is the standard in our, in, in our home. And honestly, it's right now one thing I'm teaching Jackson. Like, Jackson, you can do th- three things, save, spend, and, and give. So do you know what? I'm, I'm teaching him now. Why? Because honestly, giving, it doesn't just change the people or church that we give to, giving changes us. Because honestly, if we're honest, our proclivity, especially during times like this, is to live close-handed. Close and just, just, just be like, okay, I've, I've got to consume. But honestly, God, God doesn't want your money. He, he wants your heart. And here's the thing. Whenever he's, he's got that, it's slowly but surely, when we get the heart of God, we get the heart of a, give a worship team. Y'all can come up or I'm going to speak for three hours on, on, on this video. But honestly, what if we had a mindset? What if we had a mindset of we're not in this for what we're going to get now. We are in this for what could be done years from now. And, and honestly, we, we have a legacy mindset with our time, with our talent, and with our treasure. The vision for this church, y'all, in, in 2020 really hasn't changed. It doesn't change. We want to help all people experience life change through Christ by, by following Jesus, doing life together, getting in the game, and making a difference by saying yes, getting in a group, getting on a team, and being up and, 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 and being, you know, and, and, and not just being a spectator. And fourthly, saying, you know what, I want to invest and I want to generously give. I am not an owner, I am a steward of what God has given me.
and, and you take that step of faith and, and invest financially for those that you don't even know, that you don't even know yet. Our vision has never been about building a certain kind of person or, or you know, it's never been about getting a certain number or building a big church building and all this stuff. Honestly, y'all, we want to build people. And you know what the great thing is about this vision? It's not depending, it's not dependent on us being together on Sundays. The vision doesn't change. Okay, so we can't meet Sundays local or, you know, we can't meet in one place. The vision doesn't change. We're still trying to follow Jesus, do life together, get in the game, and leave a legacy. The vision does not change, church. So look, here's the thing. I want to encourage you for, for first. Corinthians 15, 58 says this here. It says, therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. I, I want you to know that today, church. Stand firm. When everything is shaken, everything's moving, there, there's so much unknown, so much unstable, I want to challenge you. Stand firm. It says, let nothing move you. Why? Because nothing moves God. No, you know, God isn't up there like, I didn't see COVID. I did not see this. No, he's not shaken. So look, stand, stand firm. Then it says this, let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor for the Lord is not in vain. Guys, as there's so much going, going on, I want to encourage you. The vision of this house has not changed. It will not change. And just because we can't meet Sundays does not mean that it's changed. And look, actually what it gives us the opportunity to do is to actually even more go and be the hands and feet of Jesus. Thank you again for joining us on the Lifehouse Newport News Podcast. If you're ever in the Hampton Roads area, we'd love for you to join us at one of our live worship experiences at 9 a.m. or 10.30 a.m. at the Regal Kiln Creek Movie Theaters. Until then, feel free to check us out at www.theaterchurchnn.com or on any social media platform. Thank you so much, and God bless.